Welcome to The Breach, a Charlie Mike podcast. I'm Ty Braxton, and I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen in today. We're a group of Christians that discuss issues surrounding us today and how to build our faith and strengthen our walk with the Lord. We want to provide you with tools so that you can Charlie Mike. Charlie Mike is better understood as continue mission, and we want you to be able to Charlie Mike in your own mission field. Let's get started. Welcome to The Breach, Season 3, Episode 6, and I'm very excited to talk about tonight's topic because I received this after... Uh, some prayer. And I always ask God for difficult things like, God, if you want me to do something or if you want me to go a certain way, burden me with it so badly that if I'm not being obedient, that I am under a burden. And in this one, um, I prayed something different the other day. And I, I was just, I was looking for something new in the word. And I said, you know, God, Reveal something to me that after I see it, that I just feel so dumb that I didn't see it before. And he did just that. For all our YouTube uh, viewers, make sure you like, subscribe, and hit the bell notification for future videos. Since joining the military, I've always been a student of tactics and stratagems and the evolution of both along with the evolution of weaponry when planning for a battle you always have to take into consideration like weather terrain um, and movement of formations such as the phalanx now the phalanx was a formation that had the soldiers very close together and their shields would be touching or they would be locked together these shields would form a wall. But after studying the army of God and comparing that to the Roman and Greek armor and the utilization of the phalanx, I was always bothered by something. I was always asking myself, where is the spear and the armor of God? So let's go over the armor very quickly so we can move on to our main focus. We have the helmet of salvation. I'm going to stop through a few of these to discuss some of them. Very briefly, can you imagine a soldier walking around in their underwear and helmet? It's crazy, right? But how many Christians do we see that are just like that? They get their salvation and that's where it stops. You don't know how worthless they are on the battlefield. Now, I did not say they were worthless. I said they were worthless on the battlefield because they take selfies of themselves from the neck up. But I am not here to talk about that, so let's move on. We have the breastplate of righteousness, and the breastplate would protect all the vital organs. The shield of faith. The shield forms a wall in the phalanx. Now, if you're going to stand behind something, would you use something to protect yourself that you had no faith in? That you had no trust in? You don't hope it will work, because hope is not a battle plan. But think about what I just said about the phalanx. The shield of the phalanx would form a wall. Now, my pastor just used Ezekiel 2230 in the sermon this week, and it something just kind of hit me that I never really thought about before. And the scripture says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. 
There are other scriptures speaking about watchmen on the wall. So a trumpet could sound to the others in the territory as a warning. But I want to try to give you something to think about since we are supposed to be on the offensive, not just the defensive. Let's look at the armor from a perspective from a Roman or Greek soldier. An army who used the phalanx, whose shields formed a wall, wouldn't that make everyone who stood behind those shields a watchman on that wall? A wall that moved forward. Next, we have the belt of truth, and the belt would hold much of the armor together, and the sword was sheathed on the belt. The sword of the spirit. Now, the sword was used in close combat. Running off the line of a phalanx was considered heroic. You had a chance to prove your bravery. Competition was something used in the military, and the sword helped prove how skillful a soldier was. The only problem was that many soldiers would watch and admire those who yielded to the training and power of the sword. And those soldiers stood out as heroes, the ones that weren't standing by watching. We also have the shoes of the gospel of peace and the shoes were critical for a soldier in the phalanx because when the enemy would hit the shields, the shoes would dig into the ground. And many times these shoes had spikes on the bottom that helped the soldier not be pushed back and lose territory. These shoes also helped with traction and leverage to push with their shields. I've heard it said in a history class, I believe, uh, that the Roman Empire grew with every step forward from the soldier in the phalanx. After the armor of God is mentioned, prayer is mentioned. And I've, I've noticed a lot of churches leave this out of the armor. Um, they normally view it as uh, something to do instead of something that we carry. And I have to disagree with that. And I'll, I mean, if you look at a lot of the diagrams online, if you search the armor of God on Google, you'll see the armor of God pop up and a list of the armor and prayer normally isn't mentioned. But I've always considered prayer as part of the armor and weaponry. Now, in the phalanx, the first thing soldiers would use is a spear. So why is this left out? I felt drawn to read Soldiers and Ghosts, and it's a book on the historical evolution of civilizations and their methods of warfare. I've read it already, and I really didn't want to read it again because it's like 400 pages. But as I was going through the book again, I noticed there's a lot of emphasis on the spear. So I begin to think about what else I, I know about the spear. So how is the spear used? Now, this isn't going to cover everything, but I want to focus on some of the main things on how the spear is used. We see the spear used in part of the most powerful weapon historically. I'm not saying the spear is the most powerful weapon. I'm saying it is. it can be used during the most powerful weapon, and that is sound. Soldiers would beat their shields with uh, a spear or a sword, and they would do this in unison, 
and it would intimidate the enemy. Sound through yelling, stomping, and other methods have ended battles before they have even begun since the beginning of time. It demoralizes the enemy. Now, if the enemy came upon the phalanx, two other things could happen. And it's not limited to just these two. I'm just using these two as an example. So in the phalanx, and the soldiers are waiting for the enemy to, you know, pretty much be on top of them, a spear thrust would be used to keep distance between the enemy and the front line so the front line could not be broken. Now, sometimes to rescue fallen comrades in battle or a victim of the enemy, a hole would be made to bring in the rescued. But this usually only happened with the use of the spear to keep the distance between the enemy and the hole in the phalanx. A hole, a door, a gap. Remember Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall. All right. And stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. So in order to rescue someone, someone would have to stand in the gap from the hole that was formed on the wall. We would call that a door or a gate. Now we already have the thrusting of the spear. That's step one. Now step two, to hit the enemy from a long distance, the spear could be thrown. And this took great skill and training. This was to hit the enemy from great distances. This could entail assisting fellow soldiers who were surrounded by the enemy or the line was about to be broken on another part of the field of battle. So when the battle is won, sometimes, and this may be a little graphic, but the spear was used to put the fallen enemy's heads or helmets on. The spear was used to proclaim victory. It was used as a memorial. The message was, may we not forget, we are the victorious. And to those traveling who would pass by and see it, they would recognize that memorial and know who the victor was. The message was, may we not forget, we are victorious. May we not forget that we are capable of being obedient to the call. And also, may we show our gratitude to the one who's leading us. Certain parts of the armor were marked by unit insignia, whether it was the hair from a helmet, the art engraved on a shield or painted on a shield, banners that were flown, or the carvings and colors on a spear. These things were marked and others recognized it and showed it respect. Even the enemy would show respect to these colors or unit insignia because many retreats occurred because the retreating army would recognize the specific units entering the battle. But why did they recognize it? Because they were marked. So we need to remember we're marked. So before I continue, I really want to talk about the phalanx again for just a quick second. I want to try to paint a picture. The enemy makes it to the phalanx. They push, trying to take territory. The spiked shoes from those in the phalanx dig in and may slide just a little bit from the force. But then in unison, the phalanx push back. 
with their shields. They lift them and thrust with their spear. They take a step forward and lock shields again. The enemy hits the wall. When this movement halts, the command is given, push back, shields up, and spear thrust. They step forward, they lock shields again. Taking the territory one step at a time, the phalanx was crowded. It was never a single line of soldiers with shields, but a formation that could be a dozen rows right on top of each other, pushing the front line from the back to take territory. So as we see the spear use and the use of the phalanx, why is it that the spear was left out of the armor of God? And I've come to the conclusion, it wasn't. The thing that I thought was left out was the very thing that many churches leave out when talking about the armor. Have you ever heard someone say, the only thing left to do is to pray? It should be the first thing we do. The sound demoralizes the enemy. They must flee or deal with what comes next. The spear is also the first weapon we use on the front line. The spear of prayer. Our Wednesday night services at our church are called press. The definition is a crowd or crowded condition. An action of pressing or pushing. Does it sound familiar? Sounds like the phalanx to me. The moving wall. Sounds like watchmen on that moving wall. I'll continue. Hence, pressure. Are we putting pressure on our foe? Press as a verb. To act upon through steady pushing or thrusting. Remember, that's the technique of the spear. Force exerted in contact. To squeeze, assail, harass, afflict, oppress. To exert influence on. To insist on or request urgently. To follow through. To seek urgently. Contend. To force into military service. To take by authority. This, this is what happens in a phalanx. Territory is taking. They're exerting influence on a territory by taking it. They're contending by forming a wall and standing in the gap through military service. And they're standing in authority. They're walking in authority because they are taking territory. But these things are done with the spear. In Joshua 8, 17 through 18, it says, There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. Now, this is the second time the Israelites are fighting Ai. The first time they were defeated because they didn't use the spear of prayer. They did not go to God the first time. They thought they could handle it in their own power. In Judges 5.8, it says, They chose new gods. Then there was war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. The new gods took the territory. 1 Samuel 17.7 says, Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield bearer went before him. Now this is a big spear for Goliath. Now, he carried the spear, but Goliath's problem was his spear of prayer was to the wrong God. And God delivered him into David's hand. In 2 Samuel 23, 18 and 1 Chronicles 11, 11, 
tells the story of two different mighty men who lifted their spear against 300 and killed them. Second Samuel 23, 20 through 22 and first Chronicles 11, 22 through 24 talks about Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. I don't know if I'm pronouncing these things correctly, but let's just go with it. You know what I'm talking about? Benaiah had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes from Moab. He had also gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he also killed an Egyptian, pretty much giant, by taking the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed the Egyptian with his own spear. First Chronicles 12.8, it says, Some Gadites joined David at the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty men of valor, men trained for battle, who could handle shield and spear whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as gazelles on the mountains. So these people could handle shield and spear. We need to press and learn how to handle these weapons. In 2 Chronicles 25, 5, we see Judah being set captains over thousands, captains over hundreds, according to their father's houses, and and found them to be 300,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. Are we choice men and women? Are we able to go to war by being able to handle spear and shield? In Jeremiah 46, 3 through 4, uh, in one part it says, draw near to battle. It says later, stand forth with your helmets, polish your spears, put on the armor. Now in John 19, 33 through 36, It says, but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. So here we see the spear of prayer is used to fulfill prophecy. The spear was used at the very end of what was done on the cross for everyone. How many times have we heard of a family member praying for another family member to encounter Jesus and give their life to him? I know that many of us are here because of that very prayer. The spear was thrust into our lives and drove out the strongholds and we were brought into the phalanx Because someone stood in the gap and we got to join the Lord's army. In my time in service, I was involved in a suicide attack in Afghanistan where over 70 people were killed. And after the investigation, the intelligence officer asked me where I was standing during the attack. I showed him and I was less than 25 feet away with nothing between me and the bomber. He told me the only way he could explain it was an act of God. I knew there were people back home praying in intercession because they were too far away to thrust prayer into my life. So they threw it. And you never throw your spear at a target unless you intend to hit it. There must be expectancy. In Revelation 19.10, it says, And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit 
of prophecy, the testimony of your salvation and everything else that Jesus has done is a testimony to Jesus also. This is the spirit of prophecy because it doesn't stop with you. Your testimony will be prophetic in someone else's life because it can lead someone else to the same life in Jesus. No matter what you're going through in life, I want you to remember this. And I heard this from Pastor Tony Suarez. He said, you don't have to live through it. Pray through it. The spear of prayer runs through the enemy, but it must be carried with sound. Praise and worship to the God who fulfills his word. Let this be a testimony of what Jesus has done for us and what he is going to do. The testimony of Christ grows with the spear of prayer. The enemy needs to understand that we are not stuck on this earth with him. He is stuck on this earth with us. If you haven't surrendered your life to Christ and are ready to come to God, we at Charlie Mike would like to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. But first, we want to be clear. Praying a sinner's prayer is not a ticket into heaven. These are not magic words. You must follow Christ and live for him. You cannot receive salvation by your own merits, but by what Jesus has already done. Ask to receive the Holy Spirit to be filled and experience what God has for you. You will not live the same life and you won't be able to keep Jesus to yourself if you become a Christ follower. 1 John 2, 4 tells us that the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Those commandments are to love God and to love others. If you love God, you will follow him. And if you truly love others, you will want others to experience God and give their lives to him as well. So if you are ready to pray, pray this. God, I ask for forgiveness. I believe Jesus died for me and nothing I have done wrong is too great for the power of his blood that was shed for me. I am ready to forsake the world and live a changed life because I realize how much you love me. I love you and I'm ready to live for you. If you made the decision to surrender yourself to God and follow Jesus, I encourage you to spend time daily with him in prayer, reading his word and worshiping him for who he is. Much will be revealed to you in this time with him. Be a part of a community of believers who grow in the fullness of God's word and join a church that does the same. Get involved and stay accountable with each other. Also, please let us know that you made this decision by emailing us at charliemike.me at gmail.com or message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash charliemikeinternational. 